everyone. This is Alexa Adams-Robertson with the Lexington Public Library. I am here for our third episode of Checked Out, our book talking podcast. And instead of Jenny today, I have a special guest with me. Hi, I'm Kinsey Gauntz, and I'm a children's librarian at the Beaumont branch of Lexington Public Library. So we are here today uh, to talk about our third choice for our Checked Out podcast, which is the new Harry Potter book, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, parts one and two. Um, so this is the printed version of the new stage play of the Harry Potter sequel that is currently playing, I believe it is in London. Um, it's playing in England. I don't think it's in America yet. Um, so yeah, we're going to just kind of dive right in and start talking about it. A friendly reminder, this is not a spoiler-free podcast, um, so we will be talking about basic plot elements of the book. So if you haven't read it and you want to, hold off listening to this until you read it and then come back and listen to it and you will be much happier for it. So, uh, Kinsey, do you want to talk a little bit about the main plot points of what happens in this play? Sure. This is set about, like, 20 years in the future, is mm-hmm. that what it is? And Harry Potter um, is all grown up, and he's got his very nice family, and he's married to Jenny, and he has um, an older son, and then he has a younger son. He's got, he's got James. <laughs> he's got uh, James Sirius. Albus Severus, mm-hmm. and then Lily Luna. Okay. Um, so in descending order of age. So he's got his three young ones, and he gets along very well with his older son and his young daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, but his middle son, Albus, they don't necessarily agree on everything, and they kind of clash a little bit. And it is Albus's, well, when the book starts, mm-hmm. it is Albus's first yeah, it's, at Hogwarts. Yeah, and it's his first day. So it literally picks up right where the right seventh where book it ends. ends. Yeah. Yes. So he is on the platform, and he is about to get on the train for the first time with his cousin, and... His cousin being Rose Weasley. Sorry, Rose Weasley. Yeah, and Hermione and Ron's daughter. They are married, and they have a little lady, mm-hmm. and he is a little bit concerned about what house he's going to be sorted into, and where he's going to sit on the train. Well, Rose is very concerned about where he's going to sit on the train <laughs> um, because that kind of determined Harry's future by the right. people that he met. Everyone knows, like, the legend of yeah. Harry meeting Ron and Hermione on the train. I um, thought that was kind of cute. The very first moment. Yeah. <laughs> so he gets on there, and lo and behold, the first little man that he meets that he feels like he wants to be friends with is Scorpius. And Scorpius is the son of Draco Malfoy. Plus his little heart. I know. He's a cutie pie. (laughs) But he is there, and it is a very unlikely friendship, but they seem to hit it off right from the very beginning, Mm -hmm. and they get to Hogwarts, and then Albus is actually sorted into not the house that you would think. So yeah, Albus immediately gets sorted into Slytherin with Scorpius. Um, Which, I don't know, I mean, so going right into it, I thought it was really interesting, so... Harry very famously got a hat stall whenever he got sorted, which is a term that J.K. Rowling kind of introduced on Pottermore. Um, So the hat had pretty much two equal houses that he wanted to put Harry in, and Harry kind of chose between Gryffindor and Slytherin. Mm -hmm. And so Harry said, no, Gryffindor all the way. Um, And so I wonder, it doesn't really go into the, like, mechanics of sorting in this, since it is a play, it's just dialogue and stage directions that we get. But I kind of wonder if Albus even had a hat stall, or if the sorting hat was just immediately, like, nah, Slytherin. It didn't seem like it. I know. It seemed like he just went right into it, and I feel like he also was much more comfortable Mm -hmm. being in Slytherin than he would have been in Gryffindor. I feel like he wanted to be away from his dad, and he didn't want to have to follow in his footsteps even more by being in Gryffindor. I know. I mean, it's like... Albus very quickly kind of 
figures out that he doesn't want anything to do with the famous Harry Potter legacy. I mean, he distances himself from Rose pretty much immediately, who is just a tiny Hermione. Yeah. Just a little mini Hermione. No no bit of Ron in yeah. that child whatsoever, um, which I thought was kind of funny. Um, but yeah, I mean, he and he wants to be called Al. Mm-hmm. He, he immediately just said, don't call me Albus. I prefer It's a pretty Al. heavy name to take with you to Hogwarts. Uh, yeah, it's um, a little rough when you've got like two headmasters yeah. names, one of them being Severus. And Snape. then the whole Potter thing. Mm-hmm. So, but he gets there and I feel like he's pretty happy with his new friend mm-hmm. and things are going a lot better than he thought that they would go. But every year he comes home and the time he spends home with his family, he's always uncomfortable um, with his dad and they fight a lot. And And a lot of times Harry says things um, and reacts to situations in a very negative way. Um, It's probably because this young man grew up without his very loving parents Mm -hmm. and kind of hard to face some of the problems that your kids face as they're growing up and to be able to always handle them in a positive manner. And he actually says some very harsh things to Albus that really hurt his feelings at a very crucial time in Albus's life where he really takes them to heart and he can't kind of let them go, even though Harry is obviously sorry for them and didn't mean them the way that they came across. But it still made a very big impact. Right. And, yeah. Um, I, so the actual... Uh, thing that Harry says that you're alluding to is he says, I, sometimes I wish you weren't my son, basically, mm-hmm. is what comes out of Harry Potter's That's mouth. Terrible. And I have to say, we were talking before the podcast a little bit about what a huge Harry Potter fan we both are. Mm-hmm. And me, particularly, I've been reading Harry Potter since I was eight years old. Um, so it holds a very special place in my heart. And to grow up and read a book in which Harry Potter tells his son right? something it's like that. Hurtful. It's really hurtful to me, yeah. personally. Um, I agree. I like, totally. Um, I, was re- I was referring to the TV show uh, Avatar The Last Airbender. Um, to kind of, it, It's similar to that. Um, Aang, the main character in that TV show, you follow him in the first one. And then there's a sequel to the show called Legend of Korra in which you follow Aang's children after they're grown up. And you find out that Aang was kind of a terrible dad. <laughs> and it's just like, it's heartbreaking. It's, and it was the bad. exact same, it was the yeah. same feeling I had to, when I read this. I was just like, oh, it's like Aang all over again. Right. Harry's not a great dad, which is realistic. I mean, with is. Harry Potter's yeah. upbringing and all of the things that he went to, he wouldn't be a good dad. I don't think. That makes total sense. Right. And and yet he is, he does seem to be a better dad to his older son and mm-hmm. his daughter, but because I think they're just that, like him. That, yeah, they're just different. Mm-hmm. They're different people. Yeah. Um. But Harry is married to Jenny, and I did always find it very interesting that Jenny kind of let Harry continue to make big blundering mistakes. <laughs> just um, whatever. Like she just kind of. She's got her like, own well, stuff going gonna, on. Yeah, you're gonna figure this out. Yeah. Um. But it was. I feel like. I wish that she would have maybe stepped in and been a little bit more supportive to Albus. I think things could have. Yeah. Like, I feel like she was, because she did have a very nice, strong mother and um, mm-hmm. somebody who was always kind of in your business. And Molly's caring, great. Yeah, and caring what is going on in your life. And I feel like he was really hurt and just really left on his own when he had a whole family that yeah. should have been supporting him. But he was a little different, and he was harder to, to understand, and they may not have known that he needed the outreach. Um, but he does have his friend, um, Scorpius, but Harry is not a super big fan of them hanging out. Mm-hmm. Um, Hermione, we haven't talked much about her, but she is the Minister of Magic, and she gets word that um, there has been a, what are they called? Time turner. A time turner, yes. yeah. A, an illegal time turner has been found. Yes, which is kind of thing that kind of kickstarts the entire plot of the story mm-hmm. where there is a time turner, and Cedric I, Diggory's <laughs> dad... 
right. finds out that there is one in existence, and so he feels like Harry should be, I don't know, responsible, stand-up Harry, and go back in time and save his son. Who, Cedric, who yes. died after the final task in the Triwizard Tournament. I have to say, Amos Diggory wasn't my favorite character when no. I read the fourth book. Still not my favorite character, no, to be completely honest. a whole lot to like. Now, he suffered a huge loss. Right. And so I get that. But the way that he was brought in is just very abrasive. Mm-hmm. And Harry, he's like, no, I can't go back and do it. Like, this time turner, he didn't even say that they had one. Um, yeah. But... Which is he, smart. You don't yes, want to tell the sure. cranky old guy who wants to mess with time that, that you have a time turner. possible and you're just not going to do yeah. it. <laughs> um, but the way things get started is right after, basically right after Harry tells um, Albus that he wishes that he wasn't his son. Mm-hmm. Um, later on, I think it might even be that night, um, that is when Cedric's dad comes to the door and is demanding of Harry to go back in time and do this and um, enters... Delphine Diggory, Diggory, the mystery character of this play. Just out of the blue, (laughs) here is this um, pixie-like woman who... Very Tonks-like. Yes. Yeah, she did remind me a little bit, but... She is there as, like, a caregiver Mm -hmm. to him. She is... He he introduces her as his niece. Yes. Which is weird. Which is weird. Um, Later on, we'll understand (laughs) why it's weird, but she comes with him to visit, and while Harry's doing his visit, and she ends up talking to... Albus, which is kind of creepy, um, but she's kind of like sneaky about it, and she's like, "Hey, maybe you should think about this. Mm-hmm. It might be a kind of plants a seed of yeah. doubt there." Yeah, and so then when the school year starts back up again, which I think is like they're packing the night. There's before. a big time jump in yeah. this in this play. Um, we it goes like for the first four years really really quickly. Right. Yeah. You see you see Albus and uh, Scorpius getting sorted, and then there's just this huge time jump. So now they're I believe it ends up in their fourth year, where the majority of the action of the mm-hmm. play takes place, which is fitting since it, it ties into Harry's fourth year as yeah. well, um, which I'm sure is why they did that. Mm-hmm. Very. <laughs> oh, true. and it is important to note as well that there is one big rumor that tends to follow Scorpius around wherever he goes. Um, we we get this pretty much immediately whenever Mm -hmm. Scorpius and Albus meet for the first time on the Hogwarts Express. There's a rumor in the Wizarding World that Draco Malfoy and his wife could not conceive a child. And so Draco Malfoy sent Astoria, his wife, back in time. And Scorpius is the child of Astoria, Malfoy, and Voldemort. So... Everyone hates this rumor. Right. Scorpius and Malfoy in particular. Um, mm-hmm. Draco's not a big fan of that rumor. He loved his wife very much. Mm-hmm. She actually passes away um, in the big time jump in the book. And so uh, Scorpius is just kind of left alone with Draco Malfoy yeah. for a single dad. And, well, and this terrible rumor. And this horrible rumor. And he is just the sweetest child in the world. He does seem really um, sweet. And so, yeah, that is another big um kind of point of conflict in the book is Malfoy and Scorpius kind of having to deal with this rumor around their lives, mm-hmm. um, fight it off, like regain the whatever can be salvaged right. of the Malfoy name. Right. Not well, a lot. And but it kind of makes him a loner. At it does. Hogwarts, nobody wants to be his friend except for here's Albus who doesn't really care about all these things and he doesn't seem to believe it mm-hmm. and he just goes on and they're friends but it does kind of isolate them. I mean, here we have Harry Potter's son and then this son of Voldemort, possibly. Yeah. Um, so they're very much in their own little bubble, and they don't branch out and have tons of friends. They're just very, very close friends. Um, and when their fourth year is about to start, they go to the platform, and Albus just wants on the train, and he doesn't care about Rose or anybody else. He just wants to see his friend. And as soon as they get on there, he starts um, trying to talk 
his friend into jumping off the train. And a la second year Harry, Ron, yeah. and Hermione. Or just Harry yeah. and Ron. Yeah, so just, just escaping and getting away so that they can find this time turner and fix this right that his dad has refused to fix and very selfishly refused to fix is what he thinks. So then they go through the process of trying to escape the... What were your feelings about the trolley witch? She was really weird. I, I, that was like, honestly, that was the most confusing thing in the entire was, play for me. And this is a confusing play at times. <laughs> um, having just, the trolley witch be immortal and her job be to <gasps> prevent students from escaping the yeah, train felt like, a little out of nowhere to me. It did. Like, on some level, it makes sense. But her... Like, I never really thought of her as, like, a scary, creepy witch. I know. Until now. Until yeah. she's, like, coming at them still with her cart on the top of the train. And it just seemed very weird. It kind um, of reminded me of the Thestral reveal. How you think, oh, these magical carriages pull yeah. themselves. And then it's like, oh, no, it's undead skeleton yes. horses. Yeah. Like, that's kind of what it reminded me of. And if you watch somebody die. Yeah. So just a whole <laughs> lot of creepiness that I don't know necessarily needed to be in there. But maybe they needed a little I'm drama. sure it looks... A lot of times when I was reading this, I was just thinking, I bet this looks phenomenal on a stage. I, bet it does. I was just like, I bet. I would love this if I were watching it. I mean, and I thought that so regularly while I read yeah. it. I mean, it's a play. I, I tell this to people when they want to read Shakespeare. It's not meant to be read. Right. It's meant to be watched. Um, so you can only get so much out and of this it. This is totally the same thing. Yeah, it really the is. Creepy witch lady tries. She tells them, "Oh, nobody's ever escaped, and <laughs> and I've done all these thousands of kids. I've gotten them safely to Hogwarts." And okay, sure. Um, but then here they seem to escape quite handily, yep. and nothing. Like nothing happens, like mm-hmm. it's fine, and they they don't die and they escape. They jump off, and it's all good. And so they immediately go to um, what's his name? To Amos Diggory. Thank you. They visit Amos in the old wizard's home, mm-hmm. um, and so they go to to t- to let him know basically that they heard him and they want to help him. And so they're volunteering to find the illegal time turner that that Albus knows Harry has somewhere yeah. in the Ministry of Magic because Harry and Hermione both work for the ministry. And so they're volunteering to go infiltrate the Ministry of Magic, find the illegal time turner, go back in time and fix Albus's father's mistake, which is that Harry basically yeah. led Cedric to his death in the Triwizard he Tournament. Didn't mean to. He didn't know. He didn't know that not. whenever they both grabbed the Triwizard Cup that they would go through both be transferred right. to a cemetery. How could he possibly have right. known? But in Amos Diggory's elderly mind, this is what makes right. sense to him. He's he's just kind of I mean, you really get the sense that Cedric or that Amos Diggory has just been just boiling oh, over yeah. with rage since yeah. Harry's it fourth would be year. Hard not to. I would. To, it was his only him. child. Yeah, and then to see Harry rise to such fame. Exactly. And, and to have done all these other things that he knows that his son had, well, he thinks, his yeah. son, given the same chances, would have made really good decisions. Exactly. And probably been a very prominent um, person in their world as well. Mm-hmm. But they also see... Um, old Delphine. Yes, she is there, <laughs> and she decides that she's going to help them, and which is pretty good because these are just two fourth years who aren't quite adept at their magical skills, and they need a little bit of help. So she helps them make a Polyjuice potion so they can pretend to be um, Ron and Hermione and Harry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought it was really interesting that they answered the question that was raised in the second movie whenever Harry, Ron, and Hermione use Polyjuice Potion in that one. It doesn't change Harry and Ron's voices, and it's specified in here that their voices change, yeah. which I thought was pretty clever. Yeah. I'm also, I would love to see the stage play just to see all of the Polyjuice Potion, how it <laughs> goes on on stage. I thought it was very clever how they got them out of it mm-hmm. um, with the whole bookcase thing. Um, but I would be really interested to see how they actually stage everyone turning into other actors yeah. on stage. That would be Me really too. cool. 
Um, it's another example of that. you Why can you only watch it. yeah you can only yeah. get so much from the book. Um, but yeah, so they mm. drink the polyjuice potion. They turn into uh, I believe it's Delphine as Hermione. Albus turns into Ron, and Scorpius chooses Harry. Um, so they each respectively take on those uh, traits and mm. voices, and then they go on into the Ministry sure, of Magic. Just walk right on <laughs> just in. Walk like right it, on in. It wasn't any problem. They just <laughs> say the right code into the telephone, yep. and in they go, which I think is nuts. And um, they go basically exactly where they need to be, and nobody mm-hmm. gives them any problem until they get like right up to. Hermione's office. Hermione's office. office. And then in walks the real Hermione and Harry. Harry, yeah. It's Hermione and Harry are are both at work just talking about Ministry of Magic business. Um, And so this was a very funny part of the play. I have to say, I really thought it was clever. Um, And so Delphine and Scorpius both are like, well, obviously we can't stay out here. We are Harry and Hermione. So they go hide into the office leaving Poor Albus, disguised as Ron, Ron. to distract his aunt, Uh um, which involves a lot of kissing, which I'm sure is just hilarious to watch on stage. Uh, The idea of Albus disguised as Ron, just kissing a horrified and confused Hermione. Just, why are you here? I'm the Minister of Magic. I'm trying to do my job. Leave me alone, Ron. Um, It was was a really nice moment. I thought it was very funny. Uh, Yeah, it was very entertaining. Uh Um, And they end up, like, Serving their purpose, yeah. and they get they Hermione get Hermione and, and Harry out of there. Out. So they have to go in, and now they have to look for this time turner, which is obviously hidden in Hermione's um, office mm-hmm. in her books. Which I there's a moment later in the play whenever Professor McGonagall, who was the Transfiguration teacher when they were at school, is now headmaster of Hogwarts or headmistress, I suppose. Um, and she she kind of takes Hermione to task later in the play, but she's like, "You hid it in a bookcase, right. Hermione. Why? Come on, yeah. like you should uh, you of all people should know that's a stupid place to hide so, something." <laughs> but the next part that comes, I think, would be one of the most interesting parts to see mm-hmm. where they. Get, while they're trying to find this, they have to follow these clues mm-hmm. and solve riddles, which is a pretty normal thing for them to have to do in right. these books. Um, but as they do it, somehow they get sucked into the bookshelf. Mm-hmm. And then when they get spat back yeah. out, they're themselves again, which I think is a really clever way to kind of... Break that. Exactly. So you, have to, you have to get those actors off stage somehow. It's got to happen somehow. <laughs> but it was very interesting. And, yeah. of course, they solve all the riddles, and they all get out safely, and they get the time turner. Mm-hmm. And so then they can start their process of going back in time to figure out how to save Cedric. And so this is where the play kind of goes off the rails. Craziness. Um, it, if you thought that the parts that we've been talking about so far were kind of hard to follow, then just wait until you read the second part of this play because there's a lot of time travel and anybody who's watched any movie involving time travel knows it can get very confusing very mm-hmm. fast. Because you have to hold in your brain, like, what the actual reality is. And then they go back in time and they change something. Mm -hmm. And so when they come back to the present, they have messed things up. And so now it's not the real reality. So then they try to, yes. It's a very long process. But before they dive right in, they kind of talk about where they should go back mm -hmm. and how they should stop this from happening. Right. Um, So they come up with, they're obviously parts of the Triwizard Tournament, where if Cedric had done poorly, he wouldn't, he wouldn't have made it. Onto the next Yeah, part. he wouldn't have been such a big contender to get to that last, the maze, and, and actually reaching the cup. Right. So I think where they start is with the dragons. The first task. So they go back in time. It's um, Delphine, uh, 
Albus and Scorpius all go back in time together. They go, and the thing about this bootleg time turner is that it it takes you back only for a short <laughs> amount of time mm-hmm. and only where you're directly standing. Yeah. You can't move around in time when you go back. And so they position themselves to where they're going to be exactly where the stands are mm-hmm. during the first task with the dragon. And so their idea is that they're going to Accio Cedric's wand away from him so that he can't transfigure the rock into the dog and distract the dragon and mm-hmm. therefore win the task. All the things. I hope you're staying with us. Right. <laughs> um, so, so that's their plan. They do it. They're successful. Cedric, mm-hmm. Cedric doesn't have his wand. He doesn't do it. So he presumably doesn't do well. They get pulled back to the future. Things are different, but mm-hmm. not in the way that they wanted. Rose is now missing. Yeah. There is no Rose, <laughs> and there is no Rose because there was no... Um, there was no Hermione going Ron- to the dance yeah. with Victor Crumb, and there was it just kind of had so, this ripple effect to so where Hermione and Ron never ended up together. They didn't get married, so now Hermione is a teacher at Hogwarts. Mm-hmm. She is the And she's potions, a mean teacher. Right? She seemed very, very upset with her life. Ron really mellowed her out. Um, but he is married to, um, what's her name? Oh gosh, who does he marry? The, he took he actually took her to the. Dance. Oh, he marries Parvati. You're, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Or no, he marries Padma. Aren't they twins? They are twins. Okay. Padma's so, in Ravenclaw, Parvati is in Gryffindor, and so they are married, and they have that. one little child. Um, and Ron is very frightened of Padma. Yes. Well, and the child herself <laughs> yeah. is very um, ill-tempered. Yes. And but there is this little. I don't know, it's a little side note, where Ron and Hermione happen to see each other during this brief period of time that we get to see. And you can obviously tell that they still loved each other. And, right. It's, yeah. I, I thought it was interesting. How many Ron and Hermione, just like little moments you get, like mm-hmm. it, it seems kind of like an interesting thing to focus on, I guess, since yeah. it's a book that's kind of about Albus and Harry and this relationship mm-hmm. that they have. But really, going back in time was all about the Ron and Hermione yeah. continuity. There, I feel like there was more Ron and Hermione than there was Harry and Jenny. Oh, yeah. And Jenny had nothing yeah. to do with this very, book. very, very tiny. Yeah. So, um. but the other things that were different in this future was... Cedric still died. Yeah. Basically, what happened was, since he was so humiliated in the first task, it just bolstered his yeah. his resolve to do better. And so he just, like, excelled even harder yeah. at the rest of the Triwizard Tournament. <laughs> yeah. So it kind of backfired in the worst way possible. Everything was still the same, except Rose is now not yes. there. And they, so. Which they found uh, totally unacceptable. So right. like, oh, we have to go back and now fix this. It's worth mentioning that Scorpius has a little bit of a crush on Rose. Yeah. So he was very upset that Rose was no longer. So we got to get Rose yeah, back. Yeah, got to get Rose so back. So they have to try again. And they thought that since the whole um, embarrassing... Uh, Cedric worked, they should, is that this one? They should go back and do it yeah, again? Yeah, they, they go back the, again, and so they go back to the second task this time. So they're kind of working their way through the, the task. Yeah. So in the second task, in the fourth book, Cedric uses the bubblehead charm mm-hmm. so that he can swim underwater, get back his person who means the most to him, which is Cho Chang, as we all mm-hmm. remember, from mm-hmm. the fourth book. Um, and so they go back in time to, uh, basically they inflate his bubblehead and they charm. they so big that he, like, and it's so humiliating, yeah. and he's just, this time, he's real humiliated. Yes. And so, by the time that Scorpius crawls out of the lake, mm-hmm. there's no Albus. Right. Albus is now missing. And so, now they're in the worst version. It's the darkest timeline of Harry uh, Potter. <laughs> yeah, the worst possible version. So, Cedric lived. Right. And he became a Death Eater. Because he was so humiliated yes, by the bubblehead Yes, because he, like, scarred him for life, and it was, like, a turning point for him. Um, but also... There, yeah, Voldemort is still... Voldemort is in power. Yes, Harry is, is dead. 
Which yeah. is why there's no Albus. Absolutely. Um, and obviously Hogwarts is under the care of oh, the mean lady. Dolores Umbridge. Yes. The terrible one with looks like a frog. Dolores Umbridge is still hanging out at she Hogwarts. She is there, and she's miserable and terrible. And um, Albus, mm-hmm. it nope, Albus Scorpius. is gone. Scorpius is there, and he is actually like a like the he's Scorpion like the, king. the king of the school. Yeah, little and Scorpius. so he like there's like this scorpion dance that they're supposed to go to, and he has his pick of all the girls. It's horrifying. Um, it really, it really, really, <laughs> it's really, really is. But as he's going through his day, he's trying to figure out what he can do to try to set things right. Scorpion's and tries just trying to, to like, keep up with all these changes. Yeah, that have he happened. tries to find his allies mm-hmm. and come to find out that his um, Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher is Snape. No, none other than Severus right? Snape. <laughs> so there is Snape, and Scorpius is like, okay, can I trust you or can I not? Where do you actually stand? And he tries to make his case to Severus, and Severus is very... Um, Skeptical mm-hmm. at first, and then there's this wonderful time in this timeline where you get to realize that Snape is wonderful, yeah, and he's still fighting for the right side mm-hmm. and not the dark side. And he takes um, Scorpius to Ron and Hermione, who are, of course, awesome, <laughs> yeah. revolutionary <laughs> rebels. <laughs> And they're hiding out in the Whomping, Whomping Willow, Willow. Yeah. because anytime Hermione steps foot outside, every single Dementor within a 50-mile radius just, like, converges on top of yeah. her. And there are lots of Dementors in yeah, this horrible reality. All over. It is book three all over again. Yes, they are everywhere. And um, Scorpius goes through and tells them, you know, in the real world, this is how things are supposed to be. And Severus realizes that in this reality, he is not alive. Um, and that everything is vastly different and all the things that he did to make it happen, he understands those things. And he realizes, well, he and Ron and Hermione all realize that in order to set things straight, they're going to have to make a break for it and try to save Scorpius and get him back Mm -hmm. to where he needs to be so that he can go back into the right time frame. Um... Once that happens, right? And yeah, so they, yeah. And so basically, Snape, Hermione, and Ron all kind of step outside to get Scorpius back to the place that he needs mm-hmm. to be to go back in time to his to his correct time again, mm-hmm. um, and basically just immediately get um, yeah. set upon by all of the Dementors. Um, Snape kind of has a face off with Umbridge. Mm-hmm. Um, who immediately kind of realizes that Snape has been fighting the good fight this whole time, and Hermione and Ron have another wonderful little moment yeah. together. It's <laughs> yeah. really sweet. Um, they're they're just so wonderful. I hope that the actors are really doing it justice because they have a lot of really cool moments yeah. that they get to act yeah. um, in this play. Um, but then Scorpius ends up uh, getting back, and so uh, <laughs> so many things are happening. <laughs> yeah, trying to keep it straight. Yeah, it's a lot. I mean, it's. We're we're just gonna be kind of breaking records about this. It's a play. It's meant to be watched. Absolutely. Um, it's it's kind of a lot to read. Um, it really was. Uh, yeah. I had to prepare myself to read it, and I really feel like it was very helpful. Um, so if you haven't read it yet, maybe this will give you a little bit of insight into what goes on. Because as you're reading it, it is kind of hard to follow, mm-hmm. and sometimes you have to go back and reread. Did they really just do that? And are they where I think that they are? Right. Um, but he makes it back to what reality is supposed to be mm-hmm. and makes more bad decisions about how to fix things. Um, and he goes, but everything is fine now. Like everything is back to where it is right. and they decide that they need to destroy 
the time turner. Exactly. Yeah. So so we kind of end up back at this. They they end up going back to the. Well, I mean. Right? Isn't that? Yeah, no, that is what happens. And so basically what happens is that they decide they need to destroy the Time Turner, and they, Albus ends up contacting Delphine Diggory, mm-hmm. Delphi Diggory, to let her know because he, he feels bad. I mean, they, right. they failed. They, they've just kind of resigned themselves to the fact that they failed, um, and they're going to just give up. There's no way to save Cedric. And so he calls Delphi Diggory um, and brings her up to the Owlery at Hogwarts to destroy the Time Turner with her. And that is when we find out that Delphi Diggory is not who we thought. Not even um, close. So if you were like me when you're reading this book and you were like, oh, Amos Diggory has a niece. Yeah, so like, that seems like an this? odd thing to kind of bring yeah. out. Turns out Delphine Diggory is no relation to Cedric Diggory. Mm-hmm. Whenever Harry and Hermione and all of our good freedom fighters of Hogwarts mm-hmm. go to see Amos Diggory at the old wizard's home, he is very confused when they ask him about his niece. Right. He Except says he never for, had one. Right, but he introduces her as his niece. Well, I mean, she had a confundus charm on him. So, so. but it's, it was just all very <laughs> confusing to everybody. But as you see, what's she happening? Been doing um, yeah, she must have been <laughs> doing something dirty. Um, but she comes up to the Owlery, and she is there with Albus, mm-hmm. and that's when you realize the way that you realize that she's not who she says she is, right. is because then she um, tries to take off with the Time Turner and change things for her own mm-hmm. destiny. And so that's when we end up at the final task of the Triwizard Tournament, back when Cedric mm-hmm. and Harry were competing in it. Mm-hmm. And Was, she, <laughs> sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, it broke my heart when they meet Cedric in the maze. It is just so sad. Yeah. Poor Cedric sees these two little boys all trapped and tied up by Delphine Diggory, and he's just like, do I need to save you? Is this part of the task? Mm-hmm. Can I, do I let you go, and then I can go on and win the Triwizard? And they're yeah. just like, yeah, Cedric. Uh, and it's just like, yeah. it's so hard because they know that yeah. nothing good can come from messing with time mm-hmm. at this point. So, I mean, there's nothing really to do but yeah. to just say, let him go. You do what you think is right, buddy. Yeah. And it's just heartbreaking. Yeah. I mean, he's a, he's like a 15, was he? No, he had to be 17 at yeah. the time. So he was like, Harry was 14. So, so Cedric was just young. like a 17-year-old kid at the time, and he was so good. I mean, any... Yeah. That that's always just such a heartbreaking part for me. The fourth book is where things get real in Harry Potter. I mean, yeah. I can remember being so young and reading the fourth book and just uh, just yeah. sobbing me in too. a dark bedroom yes. at like three in the morning because I'd stayed up so late to read I it. With this one too. Oh, I did too. Absolutely. Yeah. I've. I mean, I cried all of them now just from like because go when you even when you go back and read yes. the first three now, then you just you're thinking yeah. about all the people all who the die things. later on. And you're just like, oh, Concreevy. Yes. Oh, and it's just. I know that's terrible. It's retroactively yes. sad now. <laughs> Um, so yeah, um, anyway, they go back in time, see Cedric in the maze, Delphine is determined to get to the graveyard where Cedric and Harry end up whenever mm-hmm. they touch the Triwizard, uh, cup, which is a portkey, mm-hmm. um, and transports them there, um, so that she can basically help Voldemort. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason that she wants to help Voldemort is... She is his daughter. Delphine Diggory is not... Her name, not even close. It is not who she is. She has no relation to Amos Diggory. She is the child of Voldemort and Bellatrix Lestrange. Yes, she is. um, Which is pretty fascinating to me. Um, Not in the least because Bellatrix Lestrange was married. (laughs) She was married to Rodolphus. Um, (laughs) But, I mean, I guess that doesn't really matter. I guess not when it comes to Voldemort. Um, One of the really interesting questions that I found when I was kind of looking up stuff about this play and getting ready for this podcast. When exactly do we think that Bellatrix Lestrange gave birth to Delphi? Right? That was the most 
And that's a, such a good question. She's about like 20 or 22, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of, it doesn't, I guess it never really explicitly says her age. So maybe when she was in, like, wasn't she in whatever jail she was in? She was jail? She was in Azkaban. Um, I've got kind of a little, I pulled some questions from Time Magazine online. Um, and it says here, according to okay, according to stage directions, Delphi is a twenty-something when she first appears to Albus, twenty-two years after the Battle of Hogwarts. So, since Bellatrix died in that battle, she has to have given birth earlier. Um, apparently, someone on Reddit has speculated that Bellatrix probably gave birth sometime during Harry Potter and the Half Blood Prince, pointing out that she wasn't present when Snape killed Dumbledore, which is a good point. Mm-hmm. Earlier in that book, she <laughs> also said something strange to the Malfoys as Draco prepares for his assignment, which was to kill Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. If I had sons, I would be glad to give them up to the service of the Dark Lord. Why would she say sons instead of a son? Mm -hmm. Perhaps because she's pregnant and thinking about her future children. Additionally, the Redditor points out her pregnancy could be why Voldemort insists on Bellatrix getting rid of Nymphadora and keeping her family tree pruned. So, I mean, that's pretty good speculation for the timeline. Did you say Redditor? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) That's what people who are on Reddit are called. Yes, Yes. absolutely. No, absolutely. Oh, yeah. like this. Yes. Yeah, this is from, again, this is from Time mag- so Magazine. Um, the article from Time is called Eight Questions We Have After Reading Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, if there you're interested so in finding it. There's so many more than eight. There's <laughs> a lot more than eight. Um, but, but, yeah, I mean, I thought that was a really interesting point. I think, basically, it kind of comes down to the fact that this wasn't planned when J.K. Rowling was right. writing no. the original seven books. No. Um, this is a story that J.K. Rowling came up with. It does fit. I mean, you can definitely make it fit into the timeline. Yes, and yet she was still such a strange character, just still an out of the blue. Mm-hmm. Here she is, and she's going to just shake up the whole world. Right. Um, which, I guess, anything is possible sure. in Harry Potter. But I did find her a very strange character to just arrive. Yeah. But she does take the boys and she takes them to the final task of the Triwizard Tournament. She has them all trussed up and Cedric frees them and they try to get away. Um, she doesn't necessarily let this happen. She wants to keep them with her mm-hmm. and she goes to find her father. Right. She wants to see him um, and reveal herself to him and that she supports him and all this stuff at a time where he would be able to take in that information and she could be part of his rise. Mm-hmm. Um, things get even hairier. Yeah, I will like, say, I don't know really how much we can get into the kind of the final plot point of this. It's so hard to describe to people. Yeah. Um, I was telling you before, I literally just sat down with my brother, who is also a huge Harry Potter fan, and just who has not read this play, and I literally described the entire plot to the novel of him, or to the play. Mm-hmm. And I had such a hard time describing how everyone got to Godric's Hollow. Yeah, the end is very tricky. <laughs> they end up going to Godric's Hollow on the night that Harry's they, parents die. Yeah, and they do this by, um, like, they... So Harry, obviously, and Hermione and Ron are all looking, and Jenny, mm-hmm. are looking for these lost boys. And they're trying, like, they can be anywhere in time. Um, luckily, Hermione is a very smart woman, and she did not destroy this time uh, Turner because she thought there might be another one. Hermione knows what's up. And there was one. And it turns out that the time Turner that the boys have had is, like, a prototype. So it has these very set restrictions on it where you can only go certain places and for a certain amount of time but um draco malfoy had had one commissioned um Mm -hmm. and so it is this beautiful time turner that you can go anywhere for any amount of time do all the things that you need to do with your time turner so they are able to use this to get to the boys once they find them but the way that they find them is very tricky 
with a blanket that Harry gave to Albus and some love potion and something else. It's a lot. It's a it's to reveal an actual written message on a blanket. Right. About a date and a time at the right moment. It's just very weird. Yeah, I thought it was clever. Yeah. Um, I thought it was a very clever conceit. I just can't articulate it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's very it's because very Harry tricky. does mention the blanket to Albus earlier in the book. He tries yeah. to give the blanket to Albus, mm-hmm. um, and he's he makes this big deal of it because he mm-hmm. he'd gotten James and uh, little Lily these two presents mm-hmm. for going back to Hogwarts. Well, Lily just got one for being Lily because she doesn't go to Hogwarts yet. Um, <laughs> she's just cute and small. Um, but so he had given all of them these presents, and he didn't know what to give Albus. So he had this blanket, which was the blanket that Hagrid had left him. I'm going to get emotional talking about Hagrid. Just forewarning, I love Hagrid. Um, So he had the blanket that Hagrid had left him wrapped in on the Dursley's front porch. It was the only thing that he had of his parents. Hagrid picked it up from the rubble of his house when he found him and wrapped him in it. Um, And he mentioned to Albus that he always spends the night that his parents were killed with it. He always has it with him because that's, like, his only part. So it makes total sense. It's set up for Harry to have that blanket. It makes sense for the plot device. It's just very, like, you pull one piece out of it and it's like the whole whole play crumbles. It comes apart. (laughs) It really does. But things, luckily, fall into place the way that Harry needs them to and the way they frequently do for him. And so he realizes that this is where they are. And so um, it is Harry and Ron and Jenny and Hermione and they all go to Godric's Hollow. Mm -hmm. And they are trying to prepare to, they can't, stop Voldemort from killing Harry's parents. Right. So Everyone kind of to, knows that yeah, you so can't. That has to happen so that Harry has the protection that he needed to basically survive his whole life. Um, and it's just it's just very tricky. It is. Where it all is. the things are. So they go back in time and they find their boys mm-hmm. and they go into this Church. It's a church, and it's across the street from Harry's parents' house. Yes. So they end up in this church. Harry actually disguises himself as Voldemort, which is terrifying. Yeah. It's kind of awesome. I kind of liked it. I liked seeing Harry just like cosplay as Voldemort. It seemed, (laughs) and he tricked her. He tricked Voldemort's own daughter. Well, granted, she never met him before, which was kind of. You find out that's kind of Delphi's entire MO is that mm-hmm. she wants to meet her dad. She, yeah, she just which wants is to be with him and kind of touching in yeah, a horrible way. Terrifying. Um way. you yes. don't really want your dad to be Voldemort, but I mean that's what she had. Right. Um so she was just yes. trying to meet her dad. And so she's there and Voldemort comes well, Harry comes in as Voldemort mm-hmm. and is talking to Delphi and she's trying to reveal herself to him and then Does the real Voldemort come? Where's he from? No, we never actually see Voldemort um, in this. uh, So basically, Delphi figures out that it's Harry pretending to be Voldemort. Something happens, and then everyone kind of is in a vent, and then (laughs) everyone's like, "Get her!" and they all jump out, and they literally like tie Delphi up. Um, and, and she she begs them while she's tied up. She's like, please, just let me, stand me up so I can just look at my father. And they're just like, no, absolutely not. You will pull something. Why did he come out of the vent? Somebody, he crawled under something. One of the boys did. Oh, gosh. I don't remember. Right? I'm uh, Probably. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Some heroics on his part, and I'm pretty sure it was Albus who did it. It probably was, yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, there's there's this whole kind of trap to get Delphi and to kind of restrain her so that she can't get out and do whatever it is that she's planning on messing up. And it's kind of speculated that maybe she just wanted to tell Voldemort to just leave, to just run away. Yeah. So that, to not even kill Harry's parents, because killing Harry's parents is what 
protected Harry for Absolutely. so long. Absolutely, yes. um, So she didn't want her father to lose his body and his power and ultimately yeah. his life. She wanted to do it before. Mm-hmm. So, after all these things, mm-hmm. so they have... Yeah, right, Kinsey? Co- yes. <laughs> it just, all those things, that, like, come swiftly to an end. Right. Like, now, like, four pages later, it's all over. I do have to say... Like, it's oh, a very quick ending. All of them standing in the church across the street from Harry's parents' house and listening mm-hmm. to Harry's parents die at the hands of Voldemort, that part got me. That yeah. that got me hard. That's when I cried. Um, it, me too. And whenever Hagrid came to pick up yeah. Harry from the house. I know. Oh, Hagrid. That I love him so much. Heartbreaking. It really was. But yeah, I and I, I remember Jenny was asking Harry, just like, is it okay? We can go back. We don't mm-hmm. have to inherit. I mean, it's like... You're there on the night that your parents are murdered, and you've never met them and before. Like, and it's just like, and... how could you leave? How, I mean, but then also, how could you stay? That's, yeah. that's just yeah. that's so much. And again, if I were watching this play, you wouldn't be able to hear the play over how loud I was Aww. crying, probably. Because yeah. that, that really got me. It did. And they have this really nice moment towards the end of the book, whenever mm-hmm. Harry and Albus come together, and they, yeah. they go and visit Cedric's grave. Yep. Um that's Which right so heartbreaking, so heartbreaking. Poor Cedric. Well, and he's trying to, like, Harry and Albus are trying to, like, fix their relationship and try to understand each other a little bit better and come together and not have this big rift right. between them. And it's very nice. It is. You kind short of scene. Yeah, very, it's a very, very short scene. That, it, but I mean. After all of the action that the two of them have been through in that book, right? Um, it's it's kind of nice. It's kind of nice to just be we we get each other now. Yeah, <laughs> like the so end. At the very least, they both know that the other one loves them. Exactly. So, yeah. And the timeline is all set right, and mm-hmm. everybody is alive that's supposed to be alive, and everybody's dead. That's and Scorpius to be has dead. a shot with Rose. Yeah. <laughs> Rose smiles at Scorpius. Not, yes. So he's so happy, cute. and he is adorable. So now that we've kind of explained that winding trail of a book. Um, One really interesting thing that I didn't even know the answer to after I had finished it, who is the Cursed Child? It's called Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. I would imagine it's Delphi, right? Do you think? I don't know. I I mean, that's a pretty big curse. Like, you wake up, you realize that you are the daughter of Voldemort, and yet you don't ever have a parent at all. See, I thought that was really interesting. And on the front of it, it has a baby in a nest. Whenever I was reading it, I thought it was Cedric. But I don't know. (laughs) And whenever I... I, It looks like a boy, I guess. uh, That's true, yeah. I was was reading um, online again. I've never Um, understood this picture. I know. No, I haven't either, and that's why I was so confused by it. Mm -hmm. I I was reading it, and I expected it to hear... Every other Harry Potter book, it's a very clear answer. Harry Potter mm-hmm. and the Triwizard Tournament. Yeah. Harry Potter the and Order the Phoenix. Order of the yes, Phoenix. Yeah, Harry yeah, Potter yeah. and the Sorcerer's Stone. Mm-hmm. They're all very clear cut. This one is much more like a metaphor, I think. Um, and I mean, there's a lot of cursed children in Harry Potter. Yeah. Harry Potter himself, very much a cursed child. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't really want to be saddled with the prophecy that Harry is saddled with. Um, but online... Um, but she's got her own prophecy that she's trying to live up to. It's true. The main options seem to be, and this is me reading from time again, the main options seem to be Delphi, cursed by her parentage, Albus, cursed by his parentage, or some people have suggested that it might be Scorpius, cursed by the rumor of his parentage, or by the curse that eventually killed his mother, Astoria, or Cedric Diggory, whose death by the killing curse spurs the plot of the entire play, or Harry Potter himself, cursed as a father by his own unhappy childhood. 
Um, I mean, there, there's a lot. There is a lot. There's a lot of options. Yeah. Especially, I mean, I just kind of read it as Cedric, and when I was talking to my husband about I it. It never would have crossed my mind. I know, and I, I didn't mind either until I was saying, oh, the cursed child, because he asked me who the cursed child was. I was like, oh, it's Cedric Digger. And he was like, is it, though? And I was like, oh, my gosh, you're right. <laughs> is it? I don't know if it is. It never would have crossed my mind that it would be Cedric. I, so, I mean, I think it's very open-ended, and that's kind of one of the neat things about it, I think, is because it's like you Makes it very. You just thought it was Delphi. I thought it yeah. was Cedric the whole I totally time. I thought it was her. And I would really be interested to know what everyone thought, who everyone thought the cursed child was while they read it, because there's a lot of options. A lot of well, cursed and children. I, I probably would have said um, Albus until I got thin and realized who Delphi was. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, she's got her own Yeah, it's, I like that it's open-ended. And J.K. Rowling has not weighed in, which is kind of odd for her, because usually yeah. she weighs in on everything. Got a lot of things to say. Um, but she hasn't said who the cursed child Maybe it's really obvious to her. I don't it's a know. very bizarre story. It is. And yet I really enjoyed it. I was I just really too. happy to have anything I know. of his future. Exactly, like, yeah. I mean, as as kind of heartbreaking as it is to see Harry be such like a lackluster dad. Yeah. I mean, Harry or Hermione and Ron are just wonderful mm-hmm. in it, and you got the kids. And I will say, one thing I really was upset about is there's no Victoire Weasley and Teddy Lupin. I wanted my Victoire and my Teddy. I was upset that they weren't in this book. I don't know why. I don't know if they're necessary to the plot. Um, but personally, as a Harry Potter fan, I missed, missed them. I missed them. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what they could have done. They could have just been, like, hanging out. Bill Weasley could have stopped yeah, by at some point with fun. Victoire. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just I just wanted to see an Animagus hang out again, I guess. Yeah. Teddy and his blue hair. <laughs> I don't know. That's just me. So there are some really interesting opinions uh, from staff about this book. Becca at Eastside mentioned that she found it interesting that Harry, who suffered from others' bigotry and prejudice, can't seem to bring himself to give Scorpius a chance. And I thought, since you were such a big fan of Scorpius, how did right. you feel about that? I just feel like he was, he spent his whole time growing up with Draco. Mm-hmm. And Draco, I mean, tried to kill his mentor and made terrible choices in there. His dad was trying to kill him at every turn. I feel like that his prejudice may have been... I don't know, self-preservation rather than an actual, like, meanness. Um, And I could only imagine, like, you know, that parents train up their children in the same ways and beliefs a lot of the time. And so I can understand why that would be something he would fear for his son, who he already felt distance from and and a riff from, and and I'm sure he was hoping that he would find um, friends that were supportive and and stuff like he had found in Ron and Hermione, and he probably just couldn't see a Malfoy fulfilling that role. I do have to say that is kind of one of my favorite things about Harry Potter is just his singular focus on Malfoy. <laughs> um, I mean, from the very beginning, from the very beginning, it is just like it's a given that at any point in any one of the books something will go wrong, and Harry will say Draco Malfoy is behind this, and it's just like his go-to. And at the near the end of the series, Ron and Hermione are just like, really? Yeah. Like they just can't even believe. It's like Draco's fine. He's not doing anything. <laughs> He's sad. Yeah. He's a sad He's only child. Just leave him alone. <coughs> um, so I, I don't know. I mean, it really does kind of feel like a carryover of just like this animosity yeah, that Harry and it's like even Draco's in this play I mean he doesn't really do a whole lot he's basically just like 
find my son. Your son's right? dragging him into all these stupid yeah, situations. He Help me find him. He did. Um, one of my favorite parts in the play is whenever Malfoy comes by Harry and Ginny's house, and Ginny's like, I'm, I'm going to leave the room for a minute, and she leaves. I don't remember why she goes. And then Harry and Malfoy immediately start dueling. They get into an argument, and yeah. they just start blasting the house she's apart. She's like, I was gone for five seconds. She, yeah, and she's just like, come on, guys. And yeah. then Malfoy's like, sorry about your kitchen, Ginny. She's like, Harry does the cooking, actually, <laughs> which I thought was pretty cool. Ginny's always been a really, like, a favorite character of mine. Yeah. I, I think that her post-Hogwarts career is really cool. She went on to become chaser of the Holyhead Harpies. Yeah. And then she actually is the sports, like sports writer of yeah. the Daily Prophet. So I like Ginny. I, and I, I also, another... One staff member, Aaron at Eastside, also wanted us to kind of talk about how the women of Harry Potter are treated in this, um, whether or not we think that Hermione, McGonagall, Ginny, all of our female characters are a little less dimensional than they were in the novels. Um, I think they probably are, but only because yeah. they're that's not their focus of this whole book. And right. Like, and it's not even a book, it's a play. Exactly. And You can so only have so much in a right, play. And you can't develop the characters the same you can't give them the same amount of dialogue and and character development that would normally come in a 700 page harry potter book exactly so they're still there and they haven't changed like fundamentally they are still the same strong people there's just less Mm -hmm. of them i did love that hermione kept her last name Mm -hmm. hermione is (laughs) is minister for magic Mm -hmm. hermione granger and their daughter introduces herself constantly as rose granger weasley which is so cute. Yeah. Um, if Hermione had a hyphenated name, she would have done the exact same thing. <laughs> She's just such a Hermione vibe from Little Rose. Yeah. I loved her. Didn't yeah. get a lot of Hugo in this play either, mm-hmm. which he didn't really have much to do. I guess mm-hmm. Lily and James didn't really either. Nope. Um, but, I mean, I don't know. I thought that McGonagall didn't really have a lot to do. I think it's mostly just a, an issue of There's not time. There's, There's not time. There's not time for yeah. it. I still feel like she, like, was very big supporter of her students and because there's one point in time where Harry comes in and he's demanding that McGonagall keep his son and um, Scorpius apart using the Marauders map and she's like "Uh, okay Um, just to appease him for a minute and then he comes back and is trying to get her to do more and keep them apart more and she's like no I'm just gonna let them be yeah and they're fine and they get into all their trouble but they were fine, and there's no reason why they shouldn't have been friends. Right. So, And I think she recognizes that and sees it and still tries to appease the parent while she's supporting the kids and their choices. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I Another question <clears throat> from Becca, which I think is really interesting. Becca wanted to know, what does it say about English society that humiliation could be the catalyst for turning an otherwise nice boy into a Death Eater? Right. Talking about Cedric. Mm-hmm. Um, that was kind of one of my biggest issues with it. So I was just like... He his head his bubble head charm turned into kind a balloon, and so he became a Death Eater. Yeah, but I mean, we're not from England, <laughs> um, so maybe, <laughs> maybe that's possible. I don't know. It probably just had to like one of those little tiny things that kicks off the thing. I'm sure he probably didn't carry in his heart the embarrassment, but because of the embarrassment, he may have been exceptionally mad one day yeah. and punched the wrong person or done something and gotten kickstarted something bigger and worse than what he would have ever gotten into had he 
I don't know. I guess it's just kind of interesting to me because, I mean, Cedric is, you only really know Cedric for one book, but he's portrayed mm-hmm. as just such a nice guy. Mm-hmm. He's portrayed as so humble, and all of his friends are constantly ragging on Harry because mm-hmm. Harry kind of undermines Cedric. Well, by, he's helpful. Like, he gave Harry a clue just yeah. like Harry gave him a clue. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah. And so I, that's, I don't know. I mean, it's just like, I understand why Cedric had to kind of be, he's the first child in my opinion. I understand why Cedric had to be kind of like the catalyst for this play yeah. existing. Like, I get why this was chosen as the plot. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I guess I just, I, I thought better of Cedric than that. But I think most people would. Yeah, so, I don't know. I he was such a sweet character. More drama. Yeah, it. it's true. I mean, and that was another thing. I, I know a lot of people have been saying, why did we even need an eighth book of Harry Potter? And it's just like, I don't know. It's I not mean, technically it's, the eighth book. It's not technically the eighth <laughs> book. J.K. Rowling created the story. She did not write it. Right. Um, and I mean, it's fun. It is. I fun. thought it was a fun read. It was wild and very twisty. Yeah, even if so, if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't read it, you didn't care about the spoilers. Read it, um, <laughs> because we want to know what. Yeah, you might understand what happened. Yeah, um, tell us. To try and explain some of it to us because we're a little confused still, as you yeah. can tell. Um, I don't know. I mean, it was fun. I really liked it. I would love to see the play. I hope Me it comes too. to America one day. Me too. Um. So, I guess, did you have any other uh, points that you would like to bring up about this wonderful adventure of a Harry Potter story we went on, Kenzie? Just, I can't emphasize enough how much you need to take it as a play and right. not an addition to the series. Don't go into this thinking it's the eighth Harry Potter no. book. It's not the eighth Harry Potter book. I mean, it's even advertised it as that on the right. back. It says the eighth story 19 years later. Don't, don't listen to the book. But they try to, <laughs> like they say, story. Yeah, it's so true. So it's a new story. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. It was really good. It was a short read. Yeah. Um, it's really quick. You can read it in a day. And I was just grateful for any just little view into what the rest of their lives could have been like. Exactly. I'm the, I mean, I, I don't know about Kinsey, but I'm the person who, like, jumps on Pottermore, and I'm just like, oh, what is there? What new little tidbit did J.K. Rowling write for me today? Tell me something else. Exactly. Yet, I'll take what the, I can get. When the seventh book came out, like, I loved the whole seventh book. There were so many things that happened, and it was so full of everything that I wanted from Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the little afterward, where they told me I was mad about that. Were you really? Yes. I, I never minded like, it. I liked it. Please leave me alone and let me just have my own thoughts about what happened. All was well, Kenzie. Right? All was well. <laughs> I just wanted everything to just settle where it was and not go ahead and give me. Something else, like I just wanted to be happy with what I'd just gotten. Interesting. And yet she made me think 20 years in the future already, and I wasn't ready for that. The worst part for me was that Jenny didn't get to name any of the kids. And also that Lupin (laughs) didn't get a kid named after him. Lupin's better than Snape. I'm going on the record and saying it. Okay. I I stand by it. I probably stand by on that one, too. Lupin. He wasn't one of my favorites. Uh, come on! Snape I mean, was not. no. I mean, I think that Lupin, Lupin deserved it. He didn't, his own son didn't even get named yeah. after him. Named him after Trunks' dad. Yeah, which I guess is fair too. But it's nice. to be to it's be a fair, nice it's true. Oh, it's yeah. true. Oh, uh, as you can tell, we have a lot of thoughts about Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Um, if you would like to. Uh, listen to more of our podcasts they're available on our website where you can download this one as well um and thank you so much for joining me kenzie thank you 